This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How does my story begin? Despite everything that happened, I would always say, The Black Truck. Its headlights in my rearview mirror blinded with the intense brightness against the blackness of the night sky. I remember seeing the outline of a man in the driver's seat, with the light glowing behind him. A sinister, ominous sight. Then I remember my heart sinking into my feet. That's the first memory that comes to mind if you were to ask me how it all began. I really wish I would have died then, at that moment. But I'll start at the very beginning. There is a space between reality and fantasy, between light and dark between rational and irrational. In this space, there are stories. This story is called The Feeding. You belong here. Part 1. The Black Truck I was traveling up north, up a lonely road that went through heavily wooded areas, beautiful place. I still remember the freshness of the air as I opened my window a crack on my drive down. I felt light, weightless, like a leaf picked up by the wind, my mind careless and my hair blowing all around me. If I had to describe freedom and utter elation to someone, this would be it. Once it got dark, I started looking for a place to spend the night. These areas are wonderful, but if you miss a motel, and it has to be a motel because there are no such places as hotels here, you're left to drive for hours before you can find something suitable. I was not going to take that chance, so I took the first exit that advertised a place to stay and got off the highway onto a country road. It was a dark road, narrow and empty. As I drove on, I wondered if maybe I'd made a mistake and should turn around to get back on the main road. I passed a sign that read, Cebuville, or something like that. I couldn't really catch the name of it at the time. I drove up a winding road, probably three or four miles, before I came across a tavern. It was the only dwelling I saw since I got on that road. I was starving, and decided to get a quick meal before I continued on. I entered through the dirty door and stepped into the darkness and the stale heat of a roadside bar. People looked up at me from their seats, curious at first, but turning away with boredom eventually. They knew I was just someone passing through. I'm sure they had many people out there looking for food and lodging. As I was going through the menu, I felt something. I looked up and met the eyes of a man sitting in a booth opposite me. He smiled, 
but I looked away. Still, he kept staring. And I considered leaving for a moment, but my stomach turned and I knew I had to get something. So I remained seated. Once my food arrived, the man got up and approached. I got anxious right away, and I could feel something was odd about him. He looked ordinary enough, that was true. But something about the way he carried himself and the way he stared did not sit well with me. I love a good burger. He tried to make small talk. I put my food down and looked up. Can I help you? Just thought I'd keep you some company, he replied. Are you traveling alone? Well, that's hardly any of your business, I responded and looked around uncomfortably. The waitress approached the table and smiled at the man. Is he bothering you? She was still smiling, and her and the man exchanged a look. I thought that perhaps those two knew each other. You stop harassing and get your ass back to your table, she said to the man. But it was in a playful tone, teasing. Aw, come on, the man teased back. I'm just trying to keep the lady some company. Must be boring all by your lonesome, eh? He laughed, staring at me. Something in his manner made my skin crawl, and I got real uneasy. The waitress leaned closer to me and said, Don't you worry, honey. Frank here is harmless. Aren't ya? She glanced at him and winked. I did not respond for some time, but then asked for a check. It was time to go anyway, and I was getting tired. So, you going far? He asked after a long, uncomfortable silence. He lit a cigarette and inhaled deeply. Its glow reflected in his eyes like a menacing twinkle. I was just leaving, I replied with a frown and looked away. Ever gone through these parts before? Frank asked as he exhaled a big cloud of smoke. No, I said and looked around. Oh, come on. Don't be like that. Frank got closer. I ain't trying nothing funny here. I just want to talk. He exhaled a large cloud of smoke and it covered me, draping me in a heavy white sheet. I looked at him with contempt, but Frank didn't seem to notice, or perhaps chose not to notice. Clearly, he was not bothered. His face turned all serious, and he turned towards me, lowering his voice. You know, I could help you with directions if you're going someplace. This place here, it ain't even on any map. Did you know that? I looked up at him and failed to hide my anxiety. Still, I did not respond. The bill came, and I hastily paid it and went to leave. Outside, it got colder. I could really see my breath now, and the wind went right through me, chilling me to my bones. 
The door of the tavern opened behind me and then slammed. I turned and saw Frank walk out behind me with a big smile painted on his face. I froze, a bit worried. He gave me a friendly wave and headed towards a black truck parked in the other direction. Hey, this is Chris from the Criminal Perspective Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast you're currently listening to on the Crawlspace Media Network, consider checking out Criminal Perspective. On Criminal Perspective, I take 11 years of my experience corresponding with notorious murderers and I bring it directly to you. At times, I'll give you interviews directly with the most heinous murderers imaginable, like Nico Klo, the Vampire of Paris. I read that I read that you found some cookies in his kitchen and you just sat there eating cookies, watching them squirm around and die. Yeah, it wasn't actual cookies. I think I, I think it was bread, just bread. But uh, yeah, yeah, I ate something. I just sat sat down on the corner and watched him die, basically. Other times, I'll bring you survivors of violent crime telling their harrowing tales themselves, like Shasta McLean, who survived being abducted by serial killer Joseph Duncan. After being at that campsite for like two, like a week or two, he had asked me how I wanted to die. He said because uh, I had to choose one or the other. It could either be quick or it could, or, you know, it could be the slow process. So he gave me the option of being strangled to death, where he gave me the option of being shot. So please check out Criminal Perspective on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are heard. Criminal Perspective is a cross-based media podcast. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Once in my car, I felt safe again. Once more in control of everything. I saw Frank's truck drive off the parking lot. And satisfied that he was gone, I got back on the road. I drove on, looking for a motel. And a few minutes in, I spotted a sign for it. That's when a vehicle approached behind me. It was going very fast and caught up with mine in an instant. I looked in my mirror again and saw an outline of a man. Frank. Sinister look. He had his high beams on, blinding me. I was alarmed, but thought that he just wanted to pass, so I started to pull off to the side a bit, giving him some space. I was surprised when he still pursued me and pressed on his truck getting even closer, right to the bumper of my car. That's when my heart sank into my feet. I sped up, and he sped up, pursuing me. I did not know the road well, so this was not a good idea. I knew that. Yet, I was at a loss of what else to do. Perhaps once I reached the motel, I could quickly run into the front desk. He wouldn't dare follow me in, I decided. I kept going fast, with Frank on my tail, 
down this unknown road, hoping everything would turn out okay. Hoping Frank would not try anything stupid in the meantime. The motel sign flew by me suddenly as I passed it. I hit the brakes, trying to slow down to make the turn, except I underestimated my speed. My car wavered, but I straightened it. The truck sped relentlessly toward me. I panicked and hit the accelerator again, pressing my foot hard and forgetting that I was still trying to make the turn. My car made a rapid motion. My body felt dragged through air, and a moment later I went right into a ditch, turning the wheel rapidly to avoid hitting a tree. As I slid to a sudden stop with a loud bump, I felt something breaking underneath the car and heard a sound of metal scraping. Then there was silence. It was so quiet that it felt that my heart must have stopped. I've never been in an accident before. It took a minute to compose myself. Then I saw those headlights again. Frank was here, and I knew that he wasn't kidding around. Probably never had been in the first place. He meant to do something to me. I knew that now. I hurriedly pushed the airbag out of the way, got out of the car, and saw him approach slowly. He had something in his hand. I leaned over into my car and grabbed my bag. The car was not going anywhere. It was stuck in a ditch. So my best bet was to make a run for it. I looked back and all I saw was darkness, like a wall that spread in front of me. The woods. Do I run down there, into these dark woods? Or do I go for the side of the road where somebody could see me? I had to make a quick decision. Frank was getting closer now, and I could see that what he carried in his hand was a rope. The horror of the whole situation dawned on me then, and a real panic unleashed itself. Without thinking of it further, I turned and ran toward the woods as fast as I could, utterly terrified. Hey! I heard Frank call after me. Don't you run too fast! (laughs) He was laughing. Fuck you! I yelled as I ran. Hey, I was only trying to have some fun! The same laugh followed, making me shiver all over, as if something dirty was tossed in my direction. I was not going to let him touch me or come near me, I decided. I headed as fast as I could into the woods. The light from the high beams disappeared rapidly behind me as I ran away at full speed. I went in further, and the light disappeared altogether. It got almost pitch black. I stopped and looked back. I could hear someone's footsteps behind me. Frank was following me. I was sure of it. I ran further into the woods, stumbling over roots and large branches in the dark, getting in deeper and deeper. I ran like I was mad, my fear and anxiety fueling me and giving me strength to go on. Finally, I stopped and listened. Silence. The wind blew gently through the branches. That was the only sound now. I was breathing rapidly, the air traveling in and out of my lungs as if in a great hurry. I looked around and saw the thick black trees all around me. Raw and cold, they seemed to have swallowed me whole. Still I stood, frozen 
and on edge, listening. All I could hear was my own heartbeat and the wind. I gradually became aware of how cold it was. I looked around again cautiously, trying to make something out in the darkness. Perhaps Frank was still behind me, waiting for me to make a sound so he could leap out of the night and grab me. Hurt me. I stood still, shivering and listening, not daring to make the slightest move. The branches of the trees shook silently, and I stood there with my eyes closed. It must have remained that way for at least 15 minutes, because my hands started to go numb, and my feet felt like they were part of the earth itself. I moved slightly then, turned, and looked around again. Satisfied that nobody was nearby, I went into my bag and rummaged for my phone. The wind was blowing hard now, and I was shaking violently from the cold, feeling my body turn frigid. I finally found the phone and realized with dread that there was no reception. I switched on the flashlight and looked around. I was surrounded by trees, their branches thick and menacing. They were so dense that there was not even a small path around, no place that I could get through easily. I did not want to give in to panic, not right now where I needed my problem-solving most of all. If I could just trace my way back, I would find the way to my car, call the police, the mechanic, anyone. I looked around some more, trying to place the direction from which I had come. And after a few minutes, I spotted an opening, which I decided was a good place to start. On the next episode of The Feeding, the trees rubbed together in the wind, and I swear I could hear a shrill laugh. The trunks coming alive under the weight of other trunks, in complete silence. The sound that a forest makes is horrible and foreign. Thank you for listening to The Feeding, a crawlspace media production of a pie rational story, narrated by Valerie Bogart. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.